Before we get to the show this week, I'd like to ask if you would please take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Remember, you can find us both on Fandible or our own dedicated Solo Shot feed. Thanks for listening to The Solo Shot. Delving deeper into the Imperial Research Facility, Castian and Pips come face-to-face with some of the Empire's darkest experiments. Escaping with their lives will require drastic measures. Is Tarkin dead? Very. I see. Hmm, that is interesting. And with that, Cassian's going to punch this lieutenant in the face. Run! (laughs) You punch him. He stumbles back, grabbing his nose as you turn and you run. You and Pips run full tilt down this hallway, trying to get back to that hub where the lift entrance was. Pips, as she starts chasing after you, just calls, Run? That's the master plan from your grand mystical powers? It's grand in the simplicity of it all. And Castian's going to try to get to the hub as quickly as he can without leaving Pip behind. And while many jokes are made at the expense of Pip's height, she is capable of keeping up in a foot chase. And as they're running, Castian is going to click the communicator four times. Which Lara B would know means we need a distraction. Before you can get any response from him, or he can enact some kind of distraction, you first hear the voice of the lieutenant, who is obviously pinching the bridge of his broken nose. Stop them! Are we in the hub now? You have just entered the hub, and any of the stormtroopers nearby who heard the lieutenant give an order, and there's probably three or four, They all turn to attention to see who they are being ordered to stop. I'm guessing we can't make it to the elevator. There's too many stormtroopers, but is there any of those corridors that you were describing, the darker ones, or is it weapons? Like, whatever's closer to him. The closest and easiest to access would be weapons. There's, like, two other spokes that are between you and there, but the doors are closed or there's so much debris in there that it's probably more trouble than it's worth. Castian is like grabbing pips and we're both diving into the weapons research area before Castian turns and pulls out a lightsaber and stabs it into the side of the panel to trying to bring down those doors. You said that the other corridors had those doors, so he's trying to lock this area. With a lightsaber. Yeah, break something enough and hopefully it works. I think this is a mechanics roll with a lightsaber. (laughs) So to cut into any given wall would not require a roll because you have a lightsaber, but you are intending a lightsaber to do a very particular job. So this actually becomes a daunting mechanics test to see if you using your lightsaber in this manner actually gets the effect you're hoping for. And I'm going to upgrade one of those purples into a red. I got one success. Yay! I also got a despair. So I absolutely closed this door. Whatever you want to do past that is fine with me. With an alarming speed and loud thunk, the door slams shut. Okay, that was slowing my down a bit. And Castian's pulling out that map 
and quickly looking it over to see if there's an exit here or if there's a vent system that they can possibly use to escape from this section or if he just sealed both of us into our deaths. Just looking overhead, you can see that there is a ventilation system, but normal people don't make maps of the ventilation system, so you don't know exactly where that would lead. But it is there, it does exist. Otherwise, they really intend that hub to be the way in and out of this area of the lab. So there's no other sanctioned exit here. Great, what they're gonna be doing is following that vent system that, uh, as you said, we look above us and we're basically looking for something that we can push open. Before I start just cutting into things and accidentally damaging something entirely, like a door, I'm gonna see if there's like a grate that I can pull off. So we're gonna go deeper, uh, keeping an eye out for anything weird in this weapon section. As you are going deeper into the weapons development spoke of this hub of the secret lab, you see that every room is filled with a different type of killing machine. There are blasters, there are rifles, there are grenades, there's vehicle and even ship-mounted weapons, the prototypes for ship-mounted weapons. And working at the consoles, you know, being backlit eerily from these consoles that are still flashing and sparking are cybernetic engineers. But they don't have the unobtrusive neural cybernetics that Laris has. These are people who have been obviously heavily used as test subjects themselves. Their cybernetics are rough. They are heavy militaristic prototypes. They have had armor plates welded directly into their bodies. You see someone turn in profile and their eyes have been replaced with targeting systems. Some of the engineers, rather than holding tools, have actually had their hands replaced with spanners. And Casting is just gonna keep on walking past them, moving quickly, trying to get away from this meat shop. As you are walking, you're looking into these rooms, ducking past the entrances very quickly so that you don't actually gain the attention of any of these very creepy workers. You pass a room that is filled with beds. But this isn't the right place for the bunks to be. And if you take a second look in there, that's the morgue. You are now on the opposite wall from where medical was. And you remember seeing that morgue that was much larger than the actual medical space. Well, this is that. The lights are on, and you do see a bed that has a, a body on it, a sheet is covering it but it doesn't look like there are any living people within it. Since this is the morgue, he's looking for one of those, like a grate where the cold air is blown in, anywhere close by. Yes, it is near the ceiling. You can easily reach it with your hand and pull a grate off. Yeah, Castian is doing that. He's ripping that off and turning towards Pip and says, okay, it looks like we're gonna be using the ventilation system to climb out of here. Okay, give me a boost. Yeah, and Castian absolutely helps her up and she clambers up in there. And then Castian looks up and holds up the briefcase for her to take. And as she reaches down for it, her head jerks up for a moment. Something behind you catches her eye, and her hand is reaching for the briefcase, but she doesn't close her fingers around it. Instead, her other hand just points behind you. Castian frowns and then looks over his shoulder. 
the body on the bed has sat up, still covered in the sheet. And then the sheet falls from its face. And the person that is sitting there has some of the most terrifying cybernetics that you have ever seen. Armor has been bolted to his limbs and his torso. A helmet similar to what a stormtrooper would wear has been bolted to the skull. The face doesn't have the mask of a stormtrooper, but you can see that there is some kind of visor that again, bolted over the eyes, and there is reinforced plating under the chin. And all of the armor is pitch glossy black. What in the Corellian hell is that? The creature starts to stand up. And as it stands, it is obvious that it is far taller than the average stormtrooper. It is rising eight feet high. Cassian is finally snapped out of this just complete horror show and just thrusts the case up toward Pips and says, take it, take it now and go. And you only had to tell her twice. She takes it and you hear her scrambling through the vents. And Castian activates his lightsaber. The creature stands fully now to face you. On its left forearm, a riot shield has been welded in place. In its other arm, it just raises up to point at you and where there would be a hand is now a plasma cannon. Roll initiative. Am I surprised? I think I am kind of surprised, so I'm going to be using Vigilance. Yep, I agree. I got five successes, four advantages. Okay, despite the utter fear of this situation, Castian, initiative is in your favor. You get to go first. Yeah, Castian is going to attack this man with his lightsaber and hopefully just take him out. Okay. You have to upgrade all of your attacks against him twice. Also, his defense is three. I did get five successes, but I got three threats. Okay, so five successes with your lightsaber. How much damage is that? I did 12 points of damage, um, but it cuts through 10 armor. Okay, and he has uh, 14 soap. What? I've never met something that actually could soak. This is... Castian is surprised as he slices down at this guy. And his lightsaber sort of bounces off the armor, slides upwards to cut into some of the flesh that's just there, but Castian doesn't pierce the armor. Not at all. He stumbles back doing, okay, so 14 soak. So I ignore the first 10 points. So he literally has four soak when dealing with it. So I would have done eight points of damage to him. So your lightsaber, yes, skids over his armor and does do a little bit of damage like to his neck, but certainly not the sort of devastating hit that you expect to do with your lightsaber. The creature takes two step backwards, getting just out of range of your lightsaber and lifts up that arm. And where you would see a fist normally, you now see the glowing red of a plasma cannon that is about to go off in very close proximity to you. And I just rolled a triumph. 
it was only a triumph, which is just one success. The plasma assault cannon heats up. And then as far as the audience is concerned, we go into the weapons development lab where there's, you know, some nice little blasters on a table and suddenly Castian comes flying through the wall. <laughs> having been just utterly assaulted by this cannon at such close range. Castian, you are taking 10 points of damage that ignores your first 10 points of soak. It is also concussive. You are staggered for one round and cannot perform an action. I am able to reflect, but not a lot. I'm going to take three strain and I'm going to reduce the damage by three. So I took seven points of damage and three strain and I'm concussed. So yeah, Castian is just laying on the ground, his eyes wide in shock of like, what the hell was that? Now the good news for you is that this weapon is slow to reload. So you cannot do an action for this next round. You can stand, you can aim, you can do those sorts of maneuvers and movements, but you cannot attack. However, your opponent cannot use that assault cannon. What they are doing is you are seeing through this hole, through like two walls, that is, you know, a perfect Castian-sized hole. The creature is now just walking towards you. And these are slow, lumbering steps. You obviously have the advantage of speed and agility. You said I can just do a maneuver? Yes. Can I do a force jump since I can use it as a maneuver? Yes. It's not so much of a force jump. He's on the ground and he sees this thing walking towards him. And he's just completely disoriented till this thing's almost on top of Castian and it raises its leg to just stomp down and squish down on Castian. And Castian is going to do a force jump against like his feet against the wall and just slide himself out of this room into that like main hallway of this weapon development lab. So I will roll my force die. I got four light side points. So yeah, Castian absolutely just like slides on his back as this thing comes down and and just feels that vibration to the point where he's thinking, hey, is another transport going nearby? But yeah, that's what Castian does this round to avoid getting stepped on. And the creature is undaunted by the fact that you're no longer under its foot. And it also, as I said, cannot fire its weapon this round, but it can move. And you see it's moving slowly, it's lumbering, it's heavy, but it gains momentum. So it's difficult for this thing to stop, but once it gets started, very few things could stop it. So it is going to spend this round just charging towards you. Castian is going to stand up. His blade is out once more, but then he remembers how this thing literally just kind of shrugged off his blade and it was a good hit too. So Castian is going to deactivate his blade and he's going to run. He is going to run not towards the morgue where that exit was, He's actually gonna run back towards the area where that locked door is in the hub. He's not gonna to go to that door. Instead, he's gonna be ducking into one of the side rooms. You said there was something about blasters. You said there was like cannons, but then you said there was ship lasers being tested here. They're the prototypes, so they're not quite the right size to go on a Star Destroyer, but yes, in miniature. Castine's looking for the biggest one. Oh goodness. Yes, you are able to find you don't have words for it. You're not a starship weapons expert. Big laser, big blaster cannon seems like a good description of this weapon that you have. It's on a table 
and it's not even mounted on a turret yet. This is something that takes like your full body weight being forced into it to try to turn it in a direction of your charging opponent. That's exactly what Castian's trying to do. Get this thing turned towards this monstrosity before it gets to him so he can activate. And as you are turning it, you're hearing these lumbering footsteps out in the hallway beginning to get faster and faster and faster. And you hear the whine of that plasma cannon charging up once again. Oh, no, that's not going to work for me, Castian says, as he is continuing to put as much grit into getting this thing in place. And the wall in front of you explodes as the creature with that visor over its eyes doesn't have to rely on strict line of sight in order to make an attack. It hits you for 11 damage. 11 damage? Yes. And I can't reflect that. Nope. I have one point of health left. And is he concussed? Since it had to shoot through the wall, that does take some of the concussive power from it. So you are not staggered this round. So with one point of health left, Castian tries to activate this machine that he's been trying to aim at this monstrosity this entire time. I guess this is one shot. And because you said the magic word that you had been aiming, you get to add a boost die to your next combat check. And this has to be gunnery check. Yes. I have terrible gunnery. So I'm going to actually use two destiny points in order to get those turned into a yellow. And with that, I got one success, one threat, and I got a triumph. we go there we go as this prototype version of a star destroyer laser activates on this thing the laser goes off and it is now this creature's turn to be blown through a wall or two it is actually tossed out into the central hub, where, of course, people start screaming because A, laser cannon has gone off, and B, this horrible monster is now mostly melted into the floor. And Castian's going to leave that laser on as he turns and he's running back towards the morgue. So as they're dealing with a massive laser just going off in a direction that this base was not designed to have it, going off, Castian is trying to get to that ventilation system so he can start climbing. And you do. He pulls himself up and he's going to look towards where there's no dust showing someone's been crawling through here. Oh, that's clever. I won't even make you roll then. Yes, Castian's going to follow the disturbed dust in this ventilation system as I'm sure things are getting weird. You are hearing screaming from below. There's already a noticeable rise in temperature from the force of this laser still going off uh, as you're crawling through uh, the the ventilation shaft. And uh, you do reach a point where there, you can no longer go forward. The vent instead pitches upright at a 90 degree angle. Uh, so since that is where the dust disturbance ended, you have to climb up there. So you are beginning to make your way actively upwards uh, to try to find where Pips has taken the goods. The ductwork begins to rattle and some dust falls from between the seams uh, landing on you as a few distant rumbles begin to go off within the base. 
Castian is not even doing their little specific code anymore. He's grabbing his communicator and just screaming, evacuate, evacuate. Larrabee and Pips knows where they're supposed to meet if they've got separated. So Castian, his only goal is to keep on climbing. And as you start calling to evacuate, actually an automated system throughout the base begins echoing the same word. All crew, please proceed to the escape wing for evacuation. This is not a drill. Sirens begin to ring out as for the second time in as many weeks, the occupants of this secret base are being ordered to get out. I think I did something wrong. He mumbles to himself as he just keeps on going. With the earth beginning to rumble around your feet, you reach an end to the ventilation system that brings you once again into that transport hub where people are just running around in a blind panic trying to get out of here. Some are jumping into speeder bikes or land speeders to try to get out. Others are just running as fast as their feet can take them. As you are looking around yourself, you can see that there have been what you would guess are like controlled explosions from potentially Larrabee, but it is nothing compared to what's going on beneath your feet. What did you unleash with setting this laser just to continuously fire? Castian is going to look around to see if he can spot Pips anywhere. Yes, Pips is standing with another stormtrooper in a small alcove corner. Looks like she's found Larrabee. Pips is still holding the briefcase. Castian is going to run towards them, and then he's going to wave. You said they had those giant vehicles in this thing, yes? Yes. Castian's going to hop into one of those. And he's going to turn it on. And the way he views it, if everything's falling apart around them, if this thing's going to detonate, they might need something that can handle a couple rocks landing on top of it, something that can punch through some things. So yeah, Castian's stealing one of the tankers that's hopefully not carrying explosive gases at the time, but any port in the storm, and he is just waiting for those two to get on board, and he's pressing down hard on the proverbial gas. It's actually large enough and kind of has the same problem that the creature had, where it takes a moment to build up momentum to keep going. So you actually hit the gas before they even get there and they have to jump onto a very slowly moving transport. And they're able to, and you are moving forward at what feels like an agonizingly slow pace. I mean, at first people are outrunning you. But then as the ground begins to shake more underneath the wheels of this vehicle, they begin to fall and rocks are beginning to fall from the top of this cave, which don't affect your transport at all. This is the right call because if you do look out the windows, you do start seeing people being crushed by these falling rocks. And when you make it out of the cave, it's snowing. It's snowing in the middle of a beautiful summer day on Dantooine. I don't think that's snow. I activate like the wipers on this thing and it starts smearing soot, I am pretty sure, across the windshield. Volcanic ash to be precise. Yeah, I am driving this thing as quickly as I can. Like if I'm envisioning this right, this is this has treads on it. Like yes. wheels and tread with treads. This is built to just crash through trees and rock and stuff like that. And I'm just trying to get away as quickly as I can before 
whatever I woke up back there explodes. <laughs> this is getting bumpy. So I need you to make me a planetary piloting check. It's going to be hard. I'm going to upgrade at once. Not terrible, but not great. Okay. All right. Two advantages, surprisingly, <laughs> but not great. Not, not good. You technically did not succeed. I did not technically succeed. As you are driving, you're finally getting this transport up to its top speed, which is moving at a, a pretty nice clip. The eruption continues behind you, and the long dormant volcano is starting to spit rocks into the sky. Not molten yet, just giant boulders. And they are beginning to land near where your transport is. These boulders, some of them are the size of small asteroids. If one hit you, that would be the last thing that you ever saw. And so they are beginning to just pockmark the landscape, rattling the transport every time one hits too close. And one drops down directly in front of you. Castian is going to try to get out of its way, but you tell me. You're able to turn the transport, but you make it such a sharp turn that it tips over. So your failure is you no longer have the transport. Your advantage is neither you, Larrabee, nor Pips is injured, and Pips still has the package. Yeah, Castine is pulling himself out immediately, happy that he put on his harness, and he's standing up, and he's screaming through this eruption, Pips, Larrabee! He says as he's trying to find them wherever they might have fallen off because they were on like the sides of this thing. Yes, they were on the side that actually became the top. So they are climbing over it to see you. Down, come on, this way. Castian is pulling at his communicator and trying to get a hold of Laris. There is a lot of static distortion in the atmosphere. The amount of ash that this volcano has already churned out is disrupting all kinds of communications, both on the planet, let alone interplanetary. But you are able to get a very staticky transmission from Laris. I need you to come pick us up. Get us before this thing erupts and... And Castian is going to look towards Larrabee. Do you have any demolition left? Yes. Okay, look for the giant explosion. And I point towards the tanker that we stole. Hopefully that has a little bit of juice left in it. I want that to explode in the next, I don't know, 20 seconds. Let's go. And Larrabee runs to the transport and begins just brute strength, ripping these metal panels off the side, exposing all kinds of wiring that while you're certainly interested in vehicles and mechanics, this is way too far beyond you as he is pulling out some of those wires, connecting different parts together, pulling items out of his toolkit to create what you hope will be a nice big explosion. And once he gets that all done, we are running for like a giant boulder that lands near us to hide behind because this is going to be a giant big explosion. A couple of seconds later, Larrabee runs to join you as well. Cover your ears. He warns you. And we do. And the transport explodes in a shower of heat and sparks and smoke washes over you. Even with your 
ad hoc ear protection, putting your hands over your head, it is a deafening sound as this transport tanker just goes up in a ball of flames. Hopefully that's enough to get Laris to see where we're at through the ash. It is a long couple of minutes as you wait, because you have no idea how close she was, if she understood your message, if she saw this particular explosion. But after about five minutes, you hear the engines of the Howling Gundark. Castian's waving everybody through, and they're running towards the Howling Gundark, who I'm sure is not even landing. It's just opening up the back so they can hop on. Yes. And Castian, make sure Larrabee and Pips are on, making sure that Pips is still holding the briefcase. And then he jumps on before hitting the ramp controls to close it. And then he's screaming into his communicator, go, 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 go. And you hear the engines strain a little bit as the volcanic ash is already getting into the ship's systems. But the ship is going up and up and you are looking out one of the viewports. And just as the Howling Gundark is reaching the atmosphere, you see the orange blossoming of a volcanic eruption from a long dormant volcano. Castine is just breathing heavily as he, Pips, Larrabee are just looking down as they are escaping this planet. And then Castian mumbles, that was supposed to be a stealth mission, wasn't it? As far as I understood it. Oops. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. You can now find all episodes on the Fandible Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at Solo Shot Podcast. And if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandible Podcast Network, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com fandible. Thanks again, and may the Force be with you always. A long, long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Flight Risk is a Star Wars actual play crime dramedy podcast using the FFG Star Wars rule set and also set during the Old Republic era. Join Flight Risk and an eccentric group of mercenaries as they are thrust into the dark and violent world of organized crime. As agents of an enigmatic count, they traverse the outer rim in an attempt to not only survive, but to realize their destiny without losing their souls. Flight Risk is hosted by D. Wayne Feenstra with players Joe, Velvet, Nimoy, Kyle, and a whole bunch of additional guests from the podcast community each and every week. So don't miss out on all the fun. Look us up on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher and enjoy the ride.